0: Julie McCarthy, mum, grandmother, Abe, the babe, just got a Fitbit and a digital scale from his new employer. Yep, he's officially an employee. I was an employee for, I think, 36 years before I started independent consulting. And oh my god, I love consulting so much more than being an employee. Because I am hired to leave. I show up, get paid by the hour to deliver my results, advise the client, train the staff, create documentation for them, whatever I need to do, and then I leave. I don't get embroiled in their long-term bureaucratic dysfunctional bullshit. And I know they all have something, just like any family, And I always say, you name me a family with no dysfunction, and I'll name you a family you don't know very well. Same with organizations. So I like just showing up, doing my thing, and moving on to the next one. It's very freeing, and you get to meet all kinds of different people. It's great. But anyway, Abe is an employee. And this company cares very deeply about the wellness of its employees, which I'm kind of saying that sarcastically, but it's a good thing if it's actually true. So they offer a really good deal for employees to buy a Fitbit and a scale. I walked into the office and saw the scale on the floor. And I said, Abe, why do you need to know what you weigh? This man consistently weighs the same amount. He's built like Bruce Lee. He has a six-pack even when he goes, oh, I have an executive build. Why do you need to know what you weigh? He just likes to know. And part of the reason I asked, it's because I felt this knot in the pit of my stomach, just at the sight of a scale. I haven't had a scale in my home for years, and I like it that way. So, of course, Abe says, don't worry, Julie, you don't have to weigh yourself, but it bothers me to even see that thing in my house. Plus, I've always resisted the Fitbit. I had no idea that these things would show the time and give you notifications when you don't have your phone on your person, as is the case for those of us who wear clothing with insufficient pocket space, i.e. most women. My phone is either in my purse or on my desk, so it would be handy to get the notifications on my wrist. I just don't want all the, uh, oh, you've walked 10,000 steps or whatever the hell it is. I just, I don't want it. But Abe is having so much fun with this thing. Hey, no wonder I'm hungry, he announced this morning. I've only eaten 600 calories, but I've burned 1,200. Ugh, so... I went downstairs to make my salad, and doesn't he have the kitchen scale out, which I bought just to make candles with, not to weigh food, although when you're baking, you really should be weighing your sugar and flour, not measuring it in a cup, but ugh, he's got this kitchen scale out, he's weighing his food. I just hope this doesn't become an obsession, because I personally never... Want to go back to counting calories or weighing myself ever again. But thanks to Abe, I now know how many calories are in my salad because I like avocados and this seed topping that I put on it. It's seeds and I think it has a few dried cranberries in it. And I can't unknow this. Instinctively, I feel like I can no longer put avocados on my salad even though they are a source of vitamins and a healthful fat. As soon as I weighed that half avocado and checked the calorie count, I immediately heard my mother's voice telling me that avocados are fattening, even though I believe that as long as the food is not devoid of nutrition, don't worry about it. Eat the empty foods in moderation. I actually have a pretty good relationship with food these days, and I honestly think having a Fitbit runs the risk of me obsessing over it. So it's not for me. And it got me thinking about, I mean, I think about this all the time, but just looking at the calories and noticing my instinctive reaction to seeing a scale got me thinking again about the weight demon who's always lurking in the back of my mind, just waiting for an opportunity to take over my thoughts. If you have a weight Demon, like I do, or even if you don't, but want to understand the problem. I highly recommend two podcasts in particular. Of course, there are others. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil and The Body Protest with Nadia Craddock and Honey Ross. They and their guests smash the idea that appearance or weight has anything to do whatsoever with our value. Oh, and Check out Celeste Barber, hashtag challenge accepted. She hilariously illustrates the lunacy of how women are portrayed in the media. Plus, she's just started a line of intimate and sleepwear for human women. It's called bras and things, and she models them. She's fantastic. Now, you might be forgiven for thinking I have no business talking about body image because I have never faced discrimination or humiliation from the outside world over my size. And that privilege is not lost on me, but I have wasted so much time, emotional and psychological energy on hating myself for not being thin enough. And I thought I would outgrow that by now, but I haven't. So I'm going to talk about how my weight demon was born, nurtured, and pretty much took over my brain. I think sharing our personal stories helps us connect and can change attitudes. I was about, well, I was five years old the first time. I remember thinking, am I fat? My mom and I had just gotten home from my preschool vaccination That's how I remember how old I was, because you had to have vaccinations to start kindergarten. I was playing on the floor, and my father made a comment about my fat gut. My mother said, stop it, little girls are supposed to have a tummy. But it stabbed me. I remember sitting there thinking, do I have a fat gut? I mean, that's pretty young to be having those thoughts. When Sally Field was in The Flying Nun, a popular sitcom from the 60s, she used to say, well, I only weigh 90 pounds, and my thought at the time, I was a little girl. My thought was, I will never weigh that much. And I remember weighing myself daily, watching my weight creep up, because I was a child, I was growing, but I actually recall dreading hitting 50 pounds. My mom would often warn me, are you sure you want to eat that? I eventually gave up on trying to maintain a weight below 90 pounds. I I grew up. I weighed more than 90 pounds. It upset me, though, because I kind of saw that as the maximum size that I should have been allowed to be. And you know, as a child, I've been called husky, plumpet, obese Bernice. As a teen ugly slut i was even laughingly ridiculed as a child i might have been nine or ten i came outside in a bathing suit ha ha look at julie julie has a fat cunt all by other family members i used to overhear my father telling my mom she was just blob 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 so i learned very young that being thin was crucially important When I was maybe 11 or 12, my mom took me aside and told me she had been a heavy teen and didn't want that for me, so she offered me $1 for every pound I lost. And I felt so ashamed. I went upstairs, cried myself to sleep in my room, and basically didn't eat for two weeks and lost about 15 pounds pretty quickly. And mom must have started to worry because she forced me one day to eat a sandwich. I took a few small bites when she was looking and then surreptitiously fed the rest of it to the dog. It had only taken me two weeks to be barely able to keep food down. I met up with some of my friends later and threw up outside because at that point really had a hard time eating and keeping food down. Now, this was... early 70s, we had never heard of the concept of an eating disorder. At least I hadn't. And by that age, I had yet another problem with my body. I was a late bloomer. When I got my first 28 AAA bra, my mother ran upstairs to get it so she could show one of the neighbor ladies who had dropped in. Look at this, she laughed. This thing wouldn't even cover one of my nipples. I know that I've said things about appearance and body in the presence of my daughters that I should not have said, and I regret that. I was already very self-conscious about the fact that I was the only one of my friends who was still flat-chested. I was getting pirate delight jokes at school. You know, oh, you're a pirate's delight, a sunken chest, or carpenter's dream, flat as a board. So even though the teasing had nothing to do with my weight, it was another reason for me to feel less than and self-conscious about my appearance. Not only was I being told at home that I really needed to lose weight, I was flat-chested. I remember once my father, Ted, laughed and told me, oh, you took after me in that department. And I looked at him and I don't remember what I said. But he was pretty heavy, so actually he had way bigger boobs than I had, but I got the point. He also used to tell me I had a turkey neck, which really wasn't fair because I did not develop full turkey neck until at least my 40s. But apparently he could see it coming way ahead of its time. I gradually started to be able to eat again. This man came over to the house. I don't remember who he was, but he was there for some unrelated reason, chatting with my mom. And I don't know how the topic of eating came up, but he told me that if you don't eat, your body's metabolism will slow down and your stomach acids will eat away at your stomach. That scared me enough that I actually did gradually start eating a little bit more. But by the time I started high school at age 14, I had settled into a routine of eating nothing all day, except occasionally I might buy myself some Frutella candies and have a couple of those. I was smoking to stave off hunger, and just eating dinner at night. I weighed myself every day, and if I crept up over that 90-pound mark, I made sure I cut back. My mom would sometimes look at me and say, You're looking a little bloated. Here, take some diuretics. She told me to tie a string around my waist to remind myself to hold my stomach in. Did I exercise? No. Ridiculous, huh? Other than walking everywhere. I didn't exercise. Diuretics were the answer. I started drinking black coffee because I didn't want those cream calories at my after school job so I could last until I got home from work between 7 and 10 p.m. Because I didn't eat until I got home from work. So I would go all day with nothing until between 7 and 10 p.m. when I had that part-time job. But I began to feel a sense of pride in my hunger. I held my stomach in. I checked my side view in the mirror every day, lamented my heavy thighs, hips, and cankles. I felt genuine, intense sadness at my appearance, and I felt worthless. I tried not to talk about it because people thought I was fishing. And let's be honest, food and your weight and your body is not exactly an interesting topic. But it's so hard not to talk about something that's always at the forefront of your mind. It was as though I had a demon living in my head, forcing me to think about food, weight, appearance. It's such a waste of emotional and mental energy. But it was an effort to think about anything else. I hate to think about what I could have learned or accomplished if negative self-talk hadn't taken over my brain. I bought the smallest, tightest clothes I could find. I took them in on my sewing machine because I felt as though anything not fitted made me look fat. Thankfully, skin-tight jeans were popular in the 70s, so I fit right in. Shortly after I moved with my parents to Sarnia, I started seeing a guy who was, I'm not going to lie to you, an absolute loser, three years older than I was. I actually Googled him. And I can't even find anything about him. Like, I don't know, maybe he disappeared. But anyway, he was 19, I was 16, and he had quit school after the 10th grade, so 15. So I started spending time in bars and drank scotch on the rocks to keep my calorie count down. I went on apple diets where I would eat nothing but apples for weeks when they were in season. my mother added diet pills to the diuretics or those chewable diet candies aids they were called before we knew what hiv aids was but it was a y d aids but those diet pills just made me too jittery and i think most diet pills anyway are meant to be an appetite suppressant and i wasn't eating a lot of food so i mean none of it made sense And I don't blame my mother. She had her own insecurity about her own weight, and I genuinely believe she really just meant to protect me. She wanted me to feel valued by society. And she was well aware that society valued pretty thin women. And our appearance was our worth, or at least it seemed that way to me at that age. Of course, there were accomplished, strong women who weren't so ridiculous, but that certainly wasn't me. And I never, I never even went through a cultish stage. You know how some kids, they kind of stretch up and they just look like all arms and legs and cultish? I never went through that. I always had a butt and thighs and cushiony arms and legs. So that was partly why I looked at myself and just thought, oh, you're fat. I was really just very feminine-looking. Rubenesque, I used to call myself. I used to look at Ruben's paintings and wish that that was the style today. (laughs) When I was 18, I started working full-time at a bank. And I started seeing a different guy maybe a year into that job when I finally dumped the loser This guy encouraged me to run and work out. He used to tell me I would have such a fat ass by the time I was 25 that no man would look at me, because that is the measure of our worth. So I joined a gym. And when I lived alone, the only thing I kept in my fridge was a jug of water. I went to a little diner around the corner from the bank and had a bowl of soup for lunch. Back in those days, it only cost a dollar, and that would be it for the day. On Sundays, I would take my laundry to my mum's and have a proper meal, a Sunday dinner. I have no recollection of cooking or eating habits when I lived with either of my boyfriends, and a lot of those years, admittedly, are a bit of a blur to me now, and food just wasn't a priority. I absolutely would have prepared meals for the man, even if I didn't eat much of them. When I was expecting my babies, the common thinking then, in the early 80s, was that you should only gain 20 to 25 pounds. But I gained closer to 40, and even though I tried to be careful about what I ate, to the point of even lying awake at night with my stomach gnawing with hunger, but along the way, somehow, I discovered that I could alleviate my 24-7 nausea if I ate carbs, And many vegetables that I had previously loved and love again made me queasy. And I had heard in the news about women who had given birth without even knowing they were expecting. So in my stupid little brain, I decided when I was expecting Catherine, well, I'll just do that. I will hold my stomach in. These women obviously didn't show. I'm just going to try to do that so that I don't get huge. But I was so hungry. I ate potatoes, a food I had previously classified as festival food, only allowable at Christmas and Thanksgiving. I ate arrowroot biscuits. These foods eased my nausea, but there was no hiding 40 pounds. I had to buy bigger shoes. My face was like a moon. I was huge from my eyes to my toes. My poor colleagues. I worked in a computer room when I was expecting Catherine. And I would come in, turn to the side, hold my stomach in, and ask, Do I look pregnant? And they would dutifully respond, No, you don't look pregnant. Finally, one day, one of my colleagues couldn't take it anymore, and she said, No, Julie, you don't look pregnant. You just look fat. Are you happy now? We all laughed, and I tried to punch down my shame at getting so huge. One man at work joked about whether or not I would fit through the door, to which I responded, I guarantee you your waist measurement is bigger than mine. And the fact that I'm expecting does not give you a license to comment on my body. His waist measurement actually would have been bigger than mine. For sure. He had a great big huge executive old man gut. Which is fine. But I wasn't making comments to him about fitting through doors. And I wasn't about to listen to that from people at work. Later on, he mentioned the time that I drove a stake through his heart. Maybe he learned not to comment on women's size after that. One can only hope. If I could have gone into confinement, I absolutely would have, but that certainly wasn't an option. And when the girl's father could see that I was so sad about gaining all this weight, he said, "'Well, where the fuck did you think you were going to grow a baby out your fucking ear?' Of course, this seemed vain and silly to him, and intellectually, I knew he was right, so why couldn't I feel okay about this? The doctor would weigh me at every appointment, give me shit for gaining too much weight, and I would cry in the car for about ten minutes before I could see well enough to drive home. Poor Catherine. One day, I picked her up from daycare, and she could see that I had been crying. And when we got home, I ran into the bathroom, and of course, she followed me. That's what three-year-olds do. And I assured her it was nothing. It really was nothing. And intellectually, I knew I was being ridiculous, but I couldn't help it. And her sweet little face was so concerned, and she knew it wasn't nothing. So I finally said, it's just that I'm so fat. (laughs) And God bless her. She patted my leg and said to me, It's okay if you're fat. Such simple wisdom from a three-year-old. Because it is okay. Our appearance is not our purpose. There are so many, many other things about a human being that actually matter. My mother tried to get me to go to the diet center when I was expecting Joanne. She had been going and had successfully lost weight and would say to me, oh, Julie, I see a few pregnant women there. You could go too. But I was busy. I had a full-time demanding job and a three-year-old. Plus, I was taking correspondence courses through University of Waterloo. Back then, they sent you cassette tapes with the lectures. You did your assignments. You had deadlines. You mailed them in. And you had to sit your exams in a proctored classroom Anyone who complains about technology needs to look back at some old TV shows and realize that, yeah, technology sometimes fails us, but holy cow, life without it was a huge pain in the ass. Anyway, Joanne was born in December, and my 27th birthday gift that February was, you guessed it, a stint at the Diet Center, which was another one of those fucking ridiculous businesses that preys on body image insecurity to sell you supplements and bullshit. But I did it. I went. And after the session, I don't know how long it was. It could have been six weeks. It could have been two months. I don't remember. But when I was finished, I had gone from my postpartum 119 pounds to 110 pounds. And my mother said to me, you look great, Julie, but wouldn't you be happier if you weighed 105? No. I would not be happier. My weight is not going to make me happy. I am tired and I'm busy and I get hungry and I can't stick to a diet that won't even let you eat carrots or tomatoes because they're too high in sugar. That's it. And I stopped weighing myself. I still treated starchy foods as quote-unquote festival foods. I still cringed when I passed a mirror or window, I still cut back if my clothes felt a little tight. I had a friend, Carol, who used to say, Oh, Julie, you're being ridiculous. Do what I do. Buy bigger clothes. She was right. But that one change of not weighing myself anymore was huge. My first doctor's appointment when expecting Carrie. The nurse said, Okay, get on the scale. And I said, Nah, I'm not going to be weighed for this one. She looked at me, But you have to be weighed. And I said, I will give birth alone in a dark corner of a closet before I get on that scale. Hmm, we'll see what Dr. Smithen has to say about this. Saying no felt powerful. Dr. Smithen entered the room, and I loved Dr. Smithen. I mean, I loved him. He used to look me in the eye, ask how I was, and I really felt as though he actually cared how I was. He looked at me with his kind, caring face and asked me why I don't want to be weighed. I explained that I found it too anxiety-provoking and that there was no scientifically sound reason for it, so I was not going to do it. Well, he said gently, if you gain too much weight, you might have trouble taking it off after the baby is born. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. I need to look fuckable, I thought. I didn't say that to him. But I said... Well, that's my problem, isn't it? I gained about 40 pounds with Catherine and Joanne, and I was not indiscriminately eating everything in sight, and the anxiety just isn't worth it to me. Or, he continued, if you gain a lot of weight and your blood pressure goes up, it could be a symptom of edema. Wow. It just seemed so obvious to me that he was grasping at straws to come up with a supporting scientific argument for this bullshit. The highest my blood pressure ever was while expecting was maybe 112 over 70, which is still well within the reasonable range. Fine, I said. If my blood pressure hits dangerous levels, I'll be weighed. So he wrote on my chart, refuses to be weighed. A small victory, but something that meant a lot to me. It meant that I could go to my appointments and not feel fear. It meant that I could leave my appointment and just get in the car and drive home. I did start weighing myself again after I lost weight post-divorce. I mean, when you have a demon in your brain like I had, I couldn't help feeling pleased with wasting away to my teenage weight, which I know is absolutely insane. But the demon hadn't died. I just was struggling every day to punch him down. My weight loss was purely stress-related, though. I mean, I could barely eat anything for over six months because I had to balance the pain that would result from eating with the hunger that would get really, really strong if I didn't eat. It was it was a very precarious balance for me. And everything I did eat went right through me. No wonder my ancestors survived the Great Famine. They did some of my dad's side of the family actually did survive they came over in the coffin ships in the mid-1800s now what was really fucked up about this was i thought at the time that i looked the way i'm supposed to after six months of almost starvation but i was definitely not healthy i'm not meant to be that tiny and probably neither are you my god We are so lucky to have an abundance of food available to us, and we choose to starve ourselves? Talk about privileged insanity. Of course, I've gained all that weight back. Probably then some. I don't know. I don't weigh myself. But I'm in my 60s, and I feel well every day of my life. I enjoy food. I still have to push those self-loathing thoughts away. But I never step on a scale unless I'm about to have surgery. And even then, I turn my back so I don't get emotional about the number. I only consider empty calories. And even then, I just enjoy with full self-disclosure. I look at it and go, hmm, 300 calories? I'm going to enjoy that. I still avoid mirrors and windows. But sadly, there isn't one photo of me expecting any of my three daughters. And I regret that now. Now, photos weren't so ubiquitous back then. You had to have an actual camera, get it developed, blah, blah, blah. But I do remember many times where I hid behind someone or managed to quietly duck out of a situation where I thought my photo might be taken. And that was so goddamn stupid. I love that young mothers have full-blown photo shoots celebrating their expectant bodies. And for me, every day, it's still an effort to push that demon- of negative self-talk out and replace it with gratitude. I have zero health issues. I have zero physical limitations. Well, other than I would like to be as strong as Abe, and I'm not. I can afford good food, and my children and grandchildren are safe and well. I take dance classes instead of going to the gym because exercise shouldn't be a chore. It should be something you enjoy. Now, Abe doesn't have any of my hang-ups, so he can enjoy his scale and Fitbit, but they're definitely not for me. And when I'm finished recording this today, I'm going to go have some delicious orange-infused dark chocolate, and I'm going to love it. Thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts, questions, or anything you'd like to share, email me at jules says at gmail.com j-e-w-e-l-s says at gmail.com and have a wonderful week.